I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi and welcome to The Backstory with Claire and Susie. In each episode, we'll be hearing about an experience that has happened to someone that shaped who they are. 30 minutes that remind us that everyone's dealing with something. So we're a documentary podcast, a docupod. Except you made that word up. Last week, we headed off on a warm summer's evening to Great Yarmouth. Um, And it's quite unusual, isn't it, for both of us to go out on an interview. But I'm so glad that I tagged along on this one, as really it was a pleasure to meet these two guys and to see firsthand the relationship between them. Yeah, so we went to meet um, brothers Michael and Robert. Mm -hmm. Michael's now 33, and he was punched in the jaw six years ago down the seafront on a Saturday night which sort of knocked him over and it smashed his head on the side of the curb. His brother Robert, who is 10 years younger than him, has been a huge part of his support in enabling him to basically learn how to live again um, with what turned out to be major brain damage. Um, So here they are. So when you sort of cast your mind back, you know, this was obviously a big event in your life. Um, But tell us about yourself before that. Well, before it happened, I was uh, quite a good lad. I was always out and having a laugh or also have a little kind of banter with my brother and stuff right but i was always out and always doing everything <laughs> and everyone around yarmouth liked me how would you describe your brother before this event? um well he's my role model growing up i always looked up to him every, every younger brother wants to be like their older brother didn't they um he was a bit of a lad he was always getting the girls and had a big group of friends. You walked through town with him, everybody knew who he was. Like he said, he was a pretty good lad. Like, he wasn't no saint, but he wasn't a bad lad. So tell me, like, um, you know, what you know and what you can recollect of the event. Well, I, I can't actually remember the whole day it happened. And the only thing I can remember was in january when i fully started to wake up that's the only time i can remember from so perhaps robert you can tell us about kind of you know how this came about what happened to your brother um well they went out on a night out and from as far as i know when they were walking back he got assaulted because he has a metal plate in his leg um the impact of the punch forced him onto his bad leg which then he had no balance on so he fell over and hit his head on a curb which pushed his skull into his brain and caused a major brain bleed. 
he was, I think he died a few times in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. And then again from James Paget to Adam Brooks. Mm. Um, they put him in an induced coma to s- stabilise him. Every time they woke him up, um, the pressure was too much in his brain. And um, and so what was the first thing that you heard about it? Um, I actually was, I was here, I came home here and the police officer was here. And I, I kind of thought, I thought it was for me originally. Because uh, I used to be quite a naughty child. And um, I came in and then obviously they was talking and Dad took me to a side and he was like, look, your brother's been assaulted. He's, he's been taken to James Paget. It's quite serious. We we need to go. So I called my friend up and they uh, sat with my friend all night, didn't get any sleep, just waiting to hear what happened. No one no one really told me what is, what exactly happened like the first day or so. And then obviously when they knew more, they then told me. Wow. And so, so how long after that did you go and see him? Uh, I didn't see him for... I think it was about two weeks I didn't go and see him because um, his state, they wasn't sure what was going to happen. They wasn't sure if he was going to even pull through it or um, it was just so up and down. They couldn't tell what was going to happen. They they couldn't stabilise him at first. So my mum and dad said it was best if I stay away for now until they they got a grip on the situation and knew what they was going to do. Did you want to go? Yeah, I did, yeah. Oh, of course you do, it's your family. Like, you want to be by your family in their time of need, don't you? Definitely. I remember the first time walking into the room when he was still in a coma, I walked straight past him, I didn't recognise him. His tongue was enormous. It was swollen out of his face, out of his oh. mouth. His face was all all swollen and disportioned. It was really strange. Um, my sister had to pull me back and say, like, you've just walked past him. Like, I had no idea, I broke down. So. <laughs> and so how did that progress? Like, how long were you in hospital for? Um, well, I know I went in in November, and I come out the end of January. But I was acting like um, like a a kid. I couldn't really talk, walk. I lost loads of weight, and it's made my whole family and my brother and all that struggle to try to help me. Yeah, I bet. Um, when he woke up, like he said, he was literally like a baby. He couldn't mm-hmm. communicate. I don't think he really knew what was going on. He was just kept pulling out his wires and trying to scratch himself. He had to have um, basically like cooking, cooking mittens on because he kept pulling out everything and scratching oh. himself. So taking me back to the like the time of the event, like uh, um, what exactly happened and like why did it why did it happen? Because it's it's a, you know really shocking. Not not much is known about it to be honest. Um, the person who was responsible for it never really said why he did it um from what we could tell from looking at the the videos and what the police could tell that like it was he saw an opportunity he was with a load of friends he saw an opportunity to make himself look good and he, he he literally from the video he was walking up behind my brother my brother had his headphones in and his hands in his pockets he sort of seen a shadow and as he's turned around he was met with a, a punch to the jaw wow. which knocked him unstable like i said and he hit his head on the ground um and so how long how long was he in the coma for was it about four weeks four weeks oh oh, i put it felt like longer than that to me really but yeah four weeks wow and so then talk me through because like you do you remember anything of that time or no i I don't remember anything till just around about the 16th of january it's where my my brain got damaged in short-term memory 
all I remember is I woke up and I still thought it was November, but I had to try to speak because I couldn't speak. <laughs> and it was a complete shock. And you don't remember anything from when you were in the coma? Because I know, you know, people often say, oh, um, I'll talk to them a lot because, you know, you might remember, they might remember after I, they might I, hear you, but you don't I remember don't anything. remember anything from when I was in the coma. But I had, um, like, a little heartbeat and... Every time, like, mum was talking, it would beat a little bit more. And then other people were talking, it beat a little bit more. But there was this nurse who would talk to me, and it would beep quite fast. <laughs> so I, I, I don't actually know what <laughs> the whole lot was. <laughs> so you were responding something there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so when did you... So you talk, talk me about your first memories when you came around. My, my first memory is when I, all, all my mates were there. And I kind of woke up and I thought I was still at home. And I see all these tubes and everything. And I was like, where am I? <laughs> and I went, I'm going for a fag. And they went, you've, you've not had a fag for And I went, no, it's still November. But I was trying to struggle to say it. But I know I had a massive hole where my skull had been taken off. So that's apart from that, every day just it started getting a little bit. The short-term memory started getting a little bit better, but not great kind of thing if I was too tired I'll forget everything within 30 seconds yeah. so like how did your relationship change like because obviously you'd looked up to him but you sort of alluded to the fact that you're kind of both like a little bit lad sort of thing like tell me about that uh it was it was very strange because I went from being a little brother to suddenly being the big brother in a sense um he was a child when he woke up even when he first came home he was still a child it's taken he's come so far in in his progression um it was very strange i had to move out when he came home because uh he was quite aggressive towards me when we first came home that oh, really? uh, no one ever really said a reason for it but if if he had a headache or something because it's magnif it was magnified the pain was so bad for him he'd just snap at me and get up and go for me and throw things at me so i moved out to try and make the situation easier and that was that was kind of my time to stand up and grow up and do the right thing for Mike. Right. So it, it, I, we changed roles, basically. He was then the younger brother, and I had to be the older brother. That must have been really difficult, yeah. It was It was a little bit tough, yeah. It definitely helped. It brought us closer as well, because he, he was able to have that time to himself. And then when I did see him, I'd come round for dinner every now and again, and we'd have a laugh. And so do you remember that time? I, rem I remember little bits of that time, but not full. But... What he was just saying, so like I was the big brother and he was my little brother. And for what he done, I'm now still, even though I'm older than him, I'm still treating him as my older brother. So I'm growing up to be like him. It's that reversing around. So, And I think that the whole lot of it has brought the whole family closer together than what was ever was. Um, and so, like, what happened to the guy? Like, did, you know, did you did he get done for this or...? He, he got... In, he went to prison because I went to court and I weren't allowed to go to court um, he, I don't know how long he got but he'd only served a bit of it and then for some reason he then got kind of deported he was not allowed back in the UK and I don't know the whole reason why but I don't even know his I've only seen a picture of him but I don't know his name or anything like that I get that kind of paranoid. If I see someone that looks like him, I'm kind of looking behind my shoulder. I'm like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> it's the whole pressure. It worries you. Yeah. Did you want to know about the person that assaulted Mike? 
Yeah. Because obviously Mike didn't know the answers to answer. Well, his name was Daniel Pazowski. He was a Polish kickboxer from Great Yarmouth. Um, He had just finished his, um, I don't know what it's called when you come up, his license. He had just finished his license from a previous assault. Oh, wow. Um, When he got taken to court, he got three years due 16 months. And he was then released again on license. And I think a month or two into his license, he um, done something wrong, which then left him getting deported. Um, yeah. So he has been deported to he Poland. Got, he, he got deported. Yeah, back to Poland. He was here on a he was here on a student visa. Right. Um, and he wasn't attending college or university or anything like that. It, I think it was just a means to stay over here. Right. Um. But yeah, he had he had already been inside the system three times, and obviously he then broke his parole. Right. And that that they said that enough is enough. Right. Do you like feel kind of furious at him for like the situation or? In a way, I see I do, but in a, a good way because I started thinking about I'd actually want to to make me the person I am now. I want to kind of shake Xander going thank you for making me the person I am now it's it's weird to say but it's it's taught me a lot more than what I used to know I'm now putting everything for everyone rather than myself and it's that's opened my eyes a lot so tell me how you've changed I've well I've become more sort of like uh, if people have any problems they talk to me and I can give them a little bit of advice in a good way and take it off their mind. Because if you're old in the stress, you get more stressed up and you take on people you don't like I did. <laughs> so it's, if you get it off your mind, it's easier to do little bits at a time. So that's why I always class things as little baby steps, each step at a time. Never rush straight into it. Did you know anything about head injuries before this happened to you? Like No. 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 So, and all your family, presumably, like, Robert, did you had you sort of heard about had you known anything about you know how a head injury might impact you? Didn't have I didn't know what one punch could do to somebody like that changed my eyes that opened my eyes to everything and what a difference just one punch could take to make to people's lives. People do funny things when they're drinking, mm. and that is why class has. It was a on a weekend having a night out. Someone does something, you're in the wrong place, wrong time, and then you have to learn to kind of cope with it on the weekends i go around my mates and we might pop into a pub but we never go down the seafront because i it's that fear that i have going especially on nights and weekends i won't so that's been right from the very beginning you just since you... I've, since then that's one thing i won't i, I sometimes I might say oh we'll go down the seafront i say i go if, if you go down the seafront i'm gonna get a taxi home they go, are you sure i said yeah i don't want to go into my I class it as my danger zone. I don't want to go in a place where it happened before. I like to keep clear from all that. Yeah. And have you ever had like sort of panic attacks or other kind of symptoms from this? Or I've I've had a few panic attacks and where I have seizures as well. And it's where I have too much stress. If I if I'm in a place I'm not comfortable with, it's out of my safety bubble, panic attacks, seizures because I'm not my brain overdoes it. <laughs> So how has Michael changed? Like, what have you noticed? You know? Yeah, excluding the first few months that he came home, he's so much more placid now. He's so much easier to approach. Um, his whole demeanour is just so laid back. 
Um, he's brilliant with money now. Before, he, he was awful with money, but he's he is so good with money now. It, it's strange because it used to be me that kind of was saving for things and now it's changed. I buy everything and he's always like got all this money. Um, he, he's, he's got... His friends have changed. He's, I think, for the better as well. He's got, he's got much closer with his friends than he used to have. So many friends, and would pick and choose he'd go out with. And now he's got a really close knit group of friends. Um, he's just so much more polite. He's he's just better in every single way. To be honest, it's hard to it's hard to point things out when it's everything in general. He he's just he's just grown so much as a person. It's amazing because it's quite unusual, isn't it? Because for, I don't know an awful lot about head injuries, but I always thought that generally people get more aggressive once they've had a head injury because that can be some of the side effects, can't it? But you obviously haven't found that. Well, I did when I come out of Edinburgh's hospital because I was out more grit because I was, what do I get, like, tired, like the fatigue. I'd kind of come out and I'd attack other people for it. But then with the help and having, like my brother said, moved out for that little while, I had my own feet, my own little space. That's what I kind of taught my own brain to have that little rest. So now when people eat, I still, now, if I get fatigued, I still have a bit of my downer day. Everyone now knows just to walk away and leave me. I'll go into my room and I'll stand there. And people go, oh, was Michael in? And they go, yeah, he's upstairs. And they go, oh, we ain't going to go up there because they know I can... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So I'll just sit in my room for a couple of hours and come down and I'm kind of... I'll do a lot of walking as well to get rid of all that stress out of my, my head. So I'll just go walk around and come back and everything's fine. So you found really good coping mechanisms sort yeah. of thing for how you feel. Yeah, that's interesting. And how has your mum coped with all of this? I ripped her to pieces when it happened, like it would with any mother. Like, 
and it was awful sitting here watching her just falling apart almost because you we didn't know what was going to happen um it was heartbreaking and i would i would never wish that upon anybody not even my worst enemy that that was probably one of the hardest things about it was just seeing my mum crumble but she stick she kept it together for all of us and she she was the real the rock if you will like that kept everybody together and kept everybody's hopes up even though behind closed doors you could you could see what was happening Oh, that's amazing. And has she like played a big part in like Michael's recovery kind of thing? Or? Oh yeah, she, she. To be honest, she's the only person that really knows how to handle him when he's ha- like you said when he ha- has his down days. He can still be a little bit aggressive, um, with certain things of like getting his own way. She's the only person who really understands like and knows what to do, what to say. Because sometimes we do like if he's having a down day, we have to be careful what we say, and like you are treading on eggshells a little bit. Whereas my mum can say anything and it's it's fine because he knows that's mum. She just she just knows how to handle the situation very well. She take she takes it in her stride. She listens to everything I say. If I've got anything on my mind, I will talk to mum for it and she will help me because it gets rid of that off my mind. I have a problem, I talk to my mum. Do you have a job now? or like- I'm not allowed to work anymore because of the surgeon and everything from Annenbrooks and where I've got brain damage bits I can't do multitasking and I used to do this like bar work and hotels and now I can never do that like I used to drive a motorbike or scooter and stuff can never drive again there's the amount of damage it's done yeah um so but you mentioned some volunteer work that you do or yeah I, I do three days a week uh headway do voluntary staff and all I, all I do is when I go in there is Obviously, you got staff there to give you like lessons to the groups of people, and I sit there and help them and help the way that it helped me by not overdoing, getting them into a certain slow routine. So, it's, if they concentrate too much, they're putting too much stress on their brain. You have to have five minutes doing it, and then a couple of minutes having a little break just to have your brain just to relax a little bit, and that's that's why I do it. Is there sort of unexpected ways that like your um, your brain injury becomes apparent. But with that, you'd have to ask my brother and that because they notice and where I don't. Straight away, his voice changed. Like, his voice is really? completely different. Like, his voice is softer to what it used to be. Um, his body language, his laugh. His laugh was the main thing. His laugh is very different to what it used to be. Ah. Um, it's just it's just traits like that. His laugh, body, his, the way he'd hold himself, talking... They're all, they're all things that have changed. They're not they're not who define him anymore. If you, if you could you could say, um, they're they're the main ones. I think there would be a few little things like silly things like how he writes, um, how he pronounces certain things. This it's all changed, and it's just I guess it's all just things that where the where the brains had to rebuild itself. Yeah, they're the things that have been affected and been changed by it. Right. So it's mostly just little things, but yeah, they are the big ones. Is this laugh, smile, talking? That's all changed. That's amazing. So did it did it feel like you were getting to know somebody different slightly? Or? Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, although it's little things that change. They, they are they make big things, don't they? Like his sense of humour and everything like that. Things I miss, they've changed. So it is it is. You're right. It's like getting to know a new person. And so, how has his sense of humour changed? We we used to have quite a dark sense of humour. Like I have a a very open sense of humour, I like to say. Whereas 
going back to saying he's like a child again, like he his sense of humour is a little bit more simple. It's, it's a bit more like you're telling jokes to I don't know, like a twelve year old or a thirteen year old. Like he right. finds he finds them hilarious. Whereas before we would say explicit jokes and things like that and that's what would make us laugh. So yeah, little things. And so do you feel very protective of Michael now? I find myself when when I go to the pub, I'll meet Michael in the pub sometimes. I just I find myself all the time just kind of watching out for him. When someone's talking to him, like I I don't make it as in a as I'm like protecting him, but I'll always ask him, oh, who's that you're talking to? Or do you know them people over there? I, I don't know why, it's just, I, I guess it's just um, because what happened, I don't want anything like that to ever happen again. So I do find myself in a little bit protective, yeah. Do you feel like he's a bit more vulnerable? Yeah, yeah, I do. Like you said, he, he doesn't want to go up the seafront late at night because it still plays on his mind. So I, I guess that does, that in its sense makes him a little bit vulnerable. Um, he's, I'd, I wouldn't say he's a target because everybody knows him, knows what happens, but it's hard to explain. But yeah, I, I would say he's very vulnerable because it's another thing as if it, all it takes would be one more blow and it would all happen again and it could even be worse. It could be more devastating. So I also wanted to ask you, because you mentioned how you had been a bit of a bad boy. You thought the police were for you and you came back. <laughs> <laughs> like... Did that change, like with you know, as a result of this um, happening, or did that was that just you growing up? No, I, I think I touched on it earlier on. I said about how much one punch could change someone's life, and I never really realised that before. Well, that kind of shook my world because I, I did used to I did used to have like play fights with my friends. I, I was quite into boxing, and that that, that really changed everything for me because I used to think, well, you could punch someone, they just they'll get a bruise and they'll be fine, or something like that well obviously not it's, it's a it can impact people's lives and it's not just mike it's happened to it's happened to a lot of people you hear stories about it more and more now one p person gets punched once in a pub or pushed over and they've hit their head it, it can change people's lives and i don't think people people need to realize how much damage one punch can cause Oh, wow, Claire, what a story. And, you know, such a good point to end on the point made by Robert that one punch can cause all of this. It's, yeah. you know, a really awful way for him to realise this. But, you know, it's it's a salutary reminder for all of us, isn't it? Definitely. Um, yeah, it was interesting that almost Michael's previous disability, his hip problem that had been caused by the need to I think remove his hip when yeah, he was 14 years yeah, old. Yeah, serious. Yeah, he'd had like a serious infection in there, which um, I think meant he was vulnerable, possibly singled out by this guy um, because he had a noticeable limp and he's definitely not as steady on his pins. And so one punch and he fell to the ground and it was the impact of his head hitting the pavement that caused that horrific damage. Yeah, that was kind of what was quite shocking that it's not always the punch itself is it it can be the punch then followed by hitting your head and having that additional injury exactly that was, yeah, it's, yeah. The, it's the knocking to the ground isn't it yeah um, well, it can be yeah and yeah so you can't always tell the effects that one punch will have yeah and of course then for for mike you know he's written off from working and from driving yeah. all at the age of 27 so, yeah. but i have to say you know he was so keen to carry on contributing and i know his volunteering at headway is 
you know, a really, really important part of his week, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Just say, yeah, but say a bit about Headway, maybe. Yeah, Headway is a national brain injury charity that promotes life after brain injury. And um, luckily for Michael, there was a local group to him. But there are other groups around the country, aren't All over there? the country, yeah. yeah. And I found it really interesting how he has been relearning his thought processes. It's not something we totally included in there, but he's learning to regulate how much he does at a time so his brain doesn't become overheated, as he sort of said. Mm. Um, and he's being able to pass that on to now other people at the, yeah. the centre. Yeah, that's um, right. Just yeah. telling them to sort of like, okay, do a few minutes work and then now stop for a little while and then do a bit more. So yeah, um, yeah, he, I think he gets a lot from doing that. Yeah, I think he does. And, and actually after the interview, just as we were kind of packing up, I know he said that he'd been told he wouldn't be able to work again, but he also told us a bit about his consultant, didn't he? And yeah. It was the, it's the same guy that was brought in to operate on Michael Schumacher. So... I think it's fair to say he probably got He'd somebody got at the there. top of their game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah, I think that's the joy of Adam Brooks. And they apparently had flown Schumacher into Adam Brooks to see this particular consultant. Yeah, so for his family, immensely that must reassuring. Have been, yeah, yeah, exactly. A reassuring endorsement for his doctor there. Um, yes, his mum mentioned about um, Schumacher, didn't she? Because she was present for the whole interview. Um, I had my back to her, but... Susie, you saw that she was she was pretty upset, wasn't she? Yeah, I mean, I think it was very moving for her to, you know, to sit there and listen to her two sons talking about this, you know, yeah. talking so openly about something that has been a massive event for the whole family, really. Yeah, definitely. And they both have this way of saying things that really kind of would touch any mum's heart, I think. Yeah, I think they were kind of remarkably candid and, and honest about the whole thing um i know that there are some really good films actually on the headway website so could we yeah, yeah if we just put the link to that in the show notes um and you can have a look at how brain injuries have affected people and their families yeah they're brilliant little videos yeah videos do you see my old we sort of still use videos don't we as yeah we still talk okay? about videos yeah, yeah. um yes yeah, so obviously mike's mum now has him living at home and I didn't get the impression that he'd probably be moving out like too soon. Mm. Um, she mentioned how many of his friends are married and have children now. And as Mike is 33, I suppose, you know, that's a completely normal thing. And I think that's often quite upsetting, particularly for a mum or, you know, close relatives. You sort of like the, like the, the difference suddenly, you know, between what your child's doing and what, you know his peers are doing kind of thing like yeah um and that can sort of crop up at different stages can't it there's always that reminder of how your your child's life has taken a a different course totally I wouldn't be surprised if that crops up you know at different stages just kind of pausing for a moment we always like to have a podcast recommendation don't we yeah. so we've got one this week do you want to tell yep. us about so, it so um dear joan and jerica is this week's recommendation it's it's comedy genius um two women who are really antagonistic agony arts i would say <laughs> um they read out a problem and then come up with generally pretty awful solutions um it's just very funny and this is a recommendation that was passed on to us and we were advised to go in at episode eight which is what we've done and it's hilarious so yeah kind of try that one out and I'm sure that some of the others are very funny as well but um, and we've just yeah. been listening to some haven't we and and I think it's rare to find something that makes you absolutely yeah like, we were like probably laughing out loud <laughs> I think what was it a busy vagina or something that made me laugh anyway yeah it's very funny 
Okay, so I'm not quite sure how we um, segue smoothly from a busy vagina back into the backstory, but um, let's go back to just kind of thinking about Michael and Robert. And I was really touched by just the relationship between them. I thought that was quite remarkable. Yeah, and when we did the interview, I didn't actually realise until afterwards that there's a 10-year age gap between them. Yeah, that was surprising. Yeah, yeah, I didn't clock that. So when they talked about reversing roles and and now Robert is the older brother, even though he's the younger one, um, it must have felt like such a huge switch, actually. Like, yeah, because I mean, yeah, for Robert... He'd been much younger brother, you know. Yeah, was, you imagine growing up and, you know, your older brother being 10 years older. He must have seemed like, you know, a bit like a god to Robert when yeah. he was growing up. And they so. both two appear to have sort of accept this change really naturally yeah, don't they like yeah. Robert has taken on a caring older brother role and Michael is just you know naturally more vulnerable and does now seem younger in his in his entire demeanor really yeah like yeah. um but there's such fondness between the two of them wasn't yeah there? they yeah. really do and they seem to get on so well I thought one change though that was very poignant was when Robert was talking about how Mike's sense of humor had changed because yeah. you know he um he kind of described how they used to have a very similar sense of humour and now Mike's is, you know, um, maybe a bit more sort of he did, I think he said simple yeah. like, and just sort of, I think he probably, yeah, he has like, just like finds kind of very straight jokes quite funny and like yeah. probably toilet humour or whatever, I don't know. But they obviously had like a real sort of shared humour before. Like, yeah, um, on, on quite a different level. So Yeah, that, so the accent... I mean, the accident happened like six years ago, which puts Robert at 17 when the accident happened. Yeah. Um, and so I sort of suspect that he's had to grow up a lot, don't you? Like kind of... Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. And then he had to changes. move out to give Michael some space. So, um, but I love the way that Michael said that... No, so Robert said that Michael was nicer in every way now, didn't he? And, you know, what a positive from such a like crap situation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just to go back to to Robert's final point, you know, just that reminder that one punch can kill, you know, it has such the potential for such devastating consequences. Yeah, totally. I'm going to be adding that to the list of the many warnings that I'll be chanting to my children as they reach their teenage years. So what <laughs> other <laughs> Oh my what God. Are your top warnings? Consent. Like, okay. Yeah, always thinking about that. How yeah. I've got to mention that to the kids. Yeah. Uh, and like driving, yes. not drink driving. And not getting into a <laughs> car, yeah. No, I know. But, yeah, it's all those things that kind of, and you sort of run through them and you're thinking, he's only five, so I can't really mention it yet. So like, yeah. just keep remembering them. <laughs> and you know why you do it? Because you look back at your own teenage years and you think of the horrendous scrapes that you nearly yeah. got yourself into. And you just feel like you want to warn them, but obviously it's still going to happen. <laughs> uh, anyway, so next week we've got um, Vicky Cockerell, haven't we, Susie? Tell us a bit about her. So Vicky is somebody that I went to interview and she, uh, when she had her first baby, um, things didn't go according to plan and her baby ended up spending time in intensive care. So she talks to us about that experience that had a, a huge impact on her life, really moving story. Fantastic. Here's a clip. 70% of NICU parents will have some form of mental health mm. develop, um, whether that be, you know, depression, anxiety, um, and it might not be at the time you're then left after having that horrendous journey sitting at home with your baby with no one to speak to no one to because it doesn't end when your baby comes home 
So please subscribe so the programs automatically drop in ready for you to listen to us next week. It's entirely free. All we ask in return is that you recommend us, rate us on Apple Podcasts and tell your mates about us. We are The Backstory Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at The Backstory Pod on Twitter. If you're searching for The Backstory on Apple Podcasts or another directory, then look for The Backstory and you'll see our names, Claire Mutimer and Susie Coulson. Bye for now. Bye-bye.